Welcome to the Betterism Podcast, a learning community seeking out life's unusual lessons from its unlikely places. I'm your host, Glenn Binger, author, teacher, and coach, and I'm here to help spark some collective growth. I hope you'll stick around and teach us a thing or two, but first, a few words from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Meadow Life. Meadow Life is a health and wellness brand. Um, they feature all kinds of health and wellness products. They focus mostly on supplements. They have everything from vitamin E, vitamin C, NADs, vitamin K. Personally, I'm a huge fan of their Shilajit tablets. I put some in my coffee every morning to help me think a little more clearly, process things smoothly, that sort of thing. Um, but again, they they kind of focus on all across all health and wellness products. Um, their goal is to be innovative and effective, trying to help people become less stressed, uh, more energized, and live happier lives. Um, I do also recommend checking out their podcast, Meadow Life Radio. The host and owner, Matt Blackburn, does a really great job in educating listeners and, and his audience about what supplements are right for them. Um, you can find them online at meadowlife.co. That's M-I-T-O-L-I-F e.co and if you use promo code betterism you can get 15% off all of their products and there's no restrictions there um, again that's meadowlife.co promo code betterism for 15% off please go check them out they do a really great job in educating and sharing the knowledge and i think that is a lost art this day and age meadowlife.co check them out all right. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Betterism Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn. Today, we have fellow wordsmith guest, Corey McComb. He's a writer. He just dropped a new book, Productivity is for Robots. Corey, welcome to the show. Hey, Glenn. It's always nice to um, be listening to a podcast. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you're talking to the person who was just in your ear a little while ago. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate checking out the podcast. It's always a plus talking to somebody who uh you know supports both ways i think that's that's key this day and age absolutely you gotta you gotta support the fellow creators and it was nice to listen to you kind of going deep in the weeds on the writing end of everything i've I've been doing a few podcasts i'm new at the podcast game and i think this is number seven for me within a matter of like two months um and it's really great. I've had a, it's been a good experience just to like start talking about the book because you have something in your head for so long and you spend so much time articulating it and dialing it in. And then when it comes time to talk about it, something strange happens. It almost feels like, you know, I'm, I'm at the back of the classroom and a teacher is asking me to report on the ending of a book that was assigned that I never read. <laughs> like yeah. Little deer in headlights. Um, yeah, I'm excited to talk to, to a fellow author and we can talk about the book and dive into, you know, so some of like the writing process and, and just jam. So for sure, man. And, you know, I think there's a big difference between like writing the book and having people read it. But then also, like you said, like talking about the book. Right. Because, of course, there's there's a message you want people to take away with. But, you know, writing and reading is so intimate between the writer and the reader. It's it's a different experience. It's a strange thing that happens. It's it's hard to keep the through line of a book as you're writing it. And you, you have this yeah. overall message that you want to convey. 
And as you write it, sometimes you start to deviate away from it as a writer. You get these new ideas and it's always like a return to the original yeah. message. And um, that's a good exercise. And just going on different podcasts, really returning to the original message and being like, oh, yeah, that's that's why I wrote this book. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Oh, yeah, it's a kind of a key point. Right. So, yeah. I mean, why don't we why don't we start with the hammer and the nail and we can kind of branch off from there. But um, the name of the book is Productivities for Robots. Um, and, you know, I think it's an interesting take on a hustle lifestyle that has been kind of going on for a few years now. I, I would I would say like the digital realm has kind of brought this upon, um, you know, the people like. Gary V and stuff, not to knock that lifestyle, but at the same time, I think it's also causing a lot of people uh, guilt, anxiety, stress, and ultimately, you know, loss of happiness. So do you want to kind of, I guess, start us off and give us a little brief overview of like where the idea came from and how you kind of came to formulate the idea and the concept of the book? Yeah, absolutely. For me, I was falling down a hole of burnout and overwhelm. And I was working for a digital marketing agency. I had been writing for a few years and I really got caught up in this notion of the, you know, the trap of optimization. I think that there's a real lure in this day and age, especially among millennials. You know, in the world, it, it's a beautiful thing when you can really carve your own path and you can find that entrepreneur spirit in everything that you do. There's so many opportunities to get more out of your time, to make money in different ways. And I think it's, 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 it's really valuable. And I've spent a lot of time carving my own path and branching out and trying to escape the old world maps and mm -hmm. create my own map. But with that becomes the danger of falling into that hustle mentality, mentality where if you don't feel like you're constantly capitalizing on your time or your success or you're not, you know, we put chasing your dreams above all else in society that it's easy to say, you know, the ends justify the means because I'm working towards freedom. I'm doing my own thing. And it's just really easy to get caught up into that. And I, and I started right. to notice a real anxiety living inside of me that um, was just growing bigger and bigger. And I started to follow, I start, I stopped thinking about productivity as the vehicle and I started thinking about it as the goal. And it, it, it started to happen more and more as I went on working at this agency, I started to stop writing you know, writing as often. And I started to resent the time that I was doing on other things. I stopped, I stopped hanging out with friends and family because I felt like I was too busy. And when I did hang out with friends and family, I started to feel guilty because I wasn't being, you know, more productive. Right, right. right. So it's easy, it's easy to fall into that trap. And, you know, around the same time, I was actually in this entrepreneurship group and I, and um, kind of like a peer group where you're networking on one hand, but then on the other, you're having these deep conversations where you're sharing, you know, being vulnerable. It's called, it's called uh, Junto. And it was oh, actually, yeah. Uh, yeah, started by uh, Benjamin Franklin. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it was a great group for me. But one of the things that I noticed talking to other entrepreneurs and just, just like high level minds that are striving, 
constantly striving, constantly looking to level up, capitalize on their success, and feeling this, this sense of burnout and overwhelm. And I recognized it in them and I recognized it in myself. And then I kind of had this idea where, you know, as technology becomes more ingrained in our lives and is meant to like set us free from this automation and these mundane tasks and repetition, but somewhere along the way, I realized that humans have decided to imitate technology. We, we compete with robots in the sense that we're trying to get, become machines, get more out of our time, give me the right. smart pills, more hacks, more, more shortcuts. You know, I want to squeeze out that last drop of focus and level up. And I think that it really left me spread thin and, you know, living with a sense of fear of missing out. And I really lost sense of what was the purpose behind the things that I was doing. Um, there's, there's a good Hemingway quote that I put in the book, who, of course, Hemingway was able to sum it up much <laughs> in a few <laughs> words, what I did in 200. But, you know, movement is not always meaning. Mm. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also a Kevin Kelly quote that I, you know, I was percolating this idea, Glenn, for, for about four or five months thinking about, you know, if technology is meant to set us free to be more creative and more connected and, you know, fully express humans, yet instead we're just stepping on that battlefield of productivity and output every day, you know, how can we get back to the real human nature traits that set us apart from technology? And how can we use the, that human nature to actually get more out of our time and be more productive, right? right. The, the title is incendiary, you know, on purpose, productivity is for robots. I, I was kind of hoping to spark like a little bit of a debate with that title. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but it's not a rally against productivity, right? It's, it's more of a call to, you know, clear the static from your line, you know, step into human nature and, and do the things that are worth doing, the things that are aligned with your purpose, the things that give you energy instead of steal your energy. And um, I think that that's what, you know, in a, in a world where technology is going to continue to steal the mindless um, tasks away from us, we want to be able to know what to do or, with ourselves when that happens. And um, Right, right. And so, yeah, so that was kind of the, um, you know, the original notion of the book. And I started thinking about the world through that lens and started collecting some stories and some examples. And, um, you know, two, two, it took about two years to write the book altogether. Um, okay. Yeah. I was going to ask that next. Next is like, what was the, the process like? I mean, you touched on a couple big points there, you know, and again, this is, this is kind of what drew me in to the book in the first place is like the title you said, but the more I read about it, the more I realized it wasn't necessarily trying to divide, you know, and create the argument. It was more of trying to create the discussion around productivity and where society's heading. Right. Cause so often, like you said, this, the balance is lost in that. It's like, you're almost, and I, I feel bad for the younger, younger people who don't quite understand this yet. It's like, you have to have balance in life between the hustle and the rest, right? Like, yes, making progress is a good thing, but in order to make the best progress you can, you also need to take, you know, time to rest and and reset. And like you said, like recharge your energies, right? So part of that, I mean, I imagine there's, there's a process to developing that kind of conversation in written form, like we were talking about earlier, but 
at what at what point you said it took two years to write the book what was the process like like how did you develop and collect these the anecdotes and, and the, the the points you were trying to make and put them in a way that was approachable to kind of spark the dialogue right right so I, I, I had some ideas that I knew that I wanted to be I, I one of the things that I didn't know at the get-go was how much do I want to be in the book right mm-hmm. I, I, I wasn't sure how much of myself I wanted to put in the first thing that I wrote was the introduction and just kind of setting this scene of of humans trying to compete with technology and, and forgetting about their human nature and um, you know setting that scene I started thinking about what are what are going to the, the tools going to be to actually what are the tools of human nature like how do we get the most out of ourselves and yeah. you know I write a, in the book about the reticular activating system which is you know it's this big bundle of brain, of um, nerves right at the base of the brainstem and because there's so much um, stimulus coming at us all day long um, external stimulus our, our brains they they fil- they they create these filters so that they so that we can forget the meaningless and focus on the important. So the more we mm-hmm. focus on something, you know, the more our brain is going to create these filters and bring evidence to us that you know these things are true or false. They're, they're kind of self fulfilling prophecies, more or less. Um, right. But from a creative standpoint, once you start thinking through the lens of you know, productivity is for robots and the tools of human nature, your brain will start um, listening for those things. And that's really what happened to me. So it was like, I'd be reading like the biography of Theodore Roosevelt and there'd be all these lessons in there that I was able to weave in through there and apply. Um, Mm. So I had this overall idea about productivity is for robots and how can we churn what makes us flawed at efficiency and distraints at effectiveness. And then I broke it down to like, what is that path? And there's three real pillars of the book, right? So I had one idea up top and then I had three main supporting arguments. The first is connection, how to reconnect with what it means to be human, connecting with yourself, Mm -hmm. connecting with other human beings, connecting with that sense of purpose. Which is so important. Right, right. That's like the clearing the static from your line. And um, so that you can hear the call and we can, we can get into that. And then the second one is about creativity. So first you connect, then you're free to create. And anyone who's made anything knows that that spark of inspiration, once you get those downloads, whether it's from your subconscious or the universe or God or whatever you want to call it, right. You get those ideas Mm -hmm. and it moves you inside. And then, um, then that what separates the amateurs from the from the pros, Glenn, is that you have to actually do the work, right? You, you still can't avoid yep. productivity. You still have to sit down and get things done. <laughs> so I haven't been able to avoid yeah. that, and I didn't want the book to be a rally against doing things because I think that at, at our core, as human beings, the most important thing is, well, rather one of the most important things to leading a meaningful life, like, is accomplishment. You know, we're driven by. Yeah. Sh- by adding value to the world. Um, so it's more about escaping the meaningless movement and focusing on really getting things done. Um, and the third element is flow. So it's connection, creativity, and flow. 
And once I had that kind of framework, then I knew I could just, I wanted to plug in, um, you know, I'm like talking like a, like a carpenter right now showing you, you know, where I made the cut. The structures. Screws, right? so it's right, like right. one idea, three pillars. And then within each pillar, there was about 10 chapters in each one. And um, that's kind of where like the stories came in. And that just came from reading and deciding on what ideas, what topics, you know, I wanted to write about like the power of laziness and how procrastination can be your friend. And I wanted to write about how silence can help you uh, reconnect with yourself. You know, there's chapters about um, collaborating with disaster and embracing um, weaknesses and things like that. So I had, I had this list of things that I wanted to talk about and had a list of like interesting stories. And then the real work of the book was kind of weaving them together in a way that made sense. Um, and then where do I want to fit in myself, <laughs> fit myself into the book? <laughs> right. Sure. Well, I think that's some of the best nonfiction that I, personally that I've ever read has that element of relatability more than just like trying to teach the topic, but also like, this is how I experienced the topic. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you kind of have that experience when you're, you said this is like your seventh podcast. Like you're now you're starting to kind of see the other side of that, right. right? See the side of you that's coming out of it. Is there anything that kind of, as you were writing it, like, did you ever have any of these like epiphanies? Like you try to filter in a topic, either personal or, or non-personal. And then you kind of realize like, oh, this fits better, you know, with the creative side, or this fits better with the flow side, oh. or this doesn't apply at all. And I'm just, you know, I need to edit this out. <laughs> totally. That was, the, that was the hard part about writing the book too, you know, and I know that you're an author. So, you know, this was my first, this was tough. my first book. And I was telling my wife the other day, I was like, I felt like I just, you know, climbed a mountain in the dark, <laughs> in the pitch black. Yeah. And now that I've done right. it once, if I were to go back and do it again, it would be like climbing a mountain with a full moon, you know, not, not, mm -hmm. not totally yep. bright out, but the, a, little little bit. Bit, a little bit of hindsight <laughs> behind me. Um, you know, right. the, the biggest takeaway was the, the chapters that churned out the best, you know, in my opinion, were the ones that, that, you know, flowed out of me the smoothest. You know, there's a lot of moments where I was trying to fit stories with concepts and pull out lessons that just didn't really feel natural, you know, ever. And then I would just keep wrestling with them and trying to turn them into something that they weren't. And eventually I'd realize, you know, this is just trying to fit a square in, into a round hole. Right. Yeah. Um, but then there was there were there were others that I had to move around. Um and they could be um, applied from from one thing to the other. It was really helpful, you know. You're writing you're writing something, and you get halfway through, and you lose the through line. You're like, "What am I? What am I doing? I'm getting off track here." And you have to go back and kind of retrace your yep. steps. And that's like that that wrestling with it, you know. That's where you're kind of, you know, going back to the three pillars of the book: connection, creativity, and flow. As I was writing it you know, a lot of these lessons I'm writing to myself, these are things that I was struggling with as I wrote them. And I was having to go around that circle over and over again, going from, you know, unfortunately, you know, I wasn't able to just do all the research and have a perfect outline and structure before, before I broke ground and started writing. So I'd get to a certain point and be like, oh, I'm out, you know, I'm all out of material. And now I need to go find more stories right. and things. So it'd be that circle of reconnecting, getting that spark of inspiration 
and then trying to balance everything else out so that I could focus and do the work. So it was kind of valuable in that sense where I was writing to myself, you know, rereading re some of the early chapters and be like, oh yeah, I already forgot about this one. I should really, I should really be, <laughs> this lesson that I already wrote is actually the key to helping me write this other one that I haven't yet. Yeah. It's like finding the own, uh, your own key within the pile that you already made, you know? And I feel like a lot of times it, just speaking as a writer myself, like I feel like a lot of times you, you know, you, you sit down, you write and you're in the flow and then all of a sudden you lose it and you know, you take a break or you try to push through. And then a lot of times when you're trying to push through, you find yourself like, you know, forcing things that don't work. Right. And I, I always, and you're a surfer too. So I, I know you can kind of um, relate this, but like, sometimes you go out in the water and you know, the waves are perfect. It's, it's nice. And every wave you catch, you're just, you know, it's perfect bliss. And then other times you go out, it looks good. And you, you're trying to surf and you're like, man, these waves are mush. They're not working. I got to get out of the water. Mm -hmm. You know, I find that same process with, with writing. It's like, sometimes you sit down and like, you have your, you know, your half hour chunk or whatever, you know, time you, you dedicate towards the craft and you feel like you're doing something because you're, you're applying it, but then you go back and you look at the work and you're like, oh man, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, I gotta, I gotta fix this up. I gotta edit it out. I gotta delete it, which is always worst case scenario, you know? So I feel like that, that circle mm -hmm. you're talking about it, you know, that applies across all arts, of course, but I find it comes very much in handy in the writing process itself. It's so true. It's so you know? true. There's a, there's a chapter in the book about, you know, um, capturing your inspiration, capturing the flame while it's still hot and how important it is because yeah. we get so many downloads, so many ideas. The, the tricky part about being a very creative person, you know, I know that we, I think when people start writing or start making music or any creative endeavor, there can be a little bit of that period where they're just like staring at the blank page or the blank canvas or really not, but they're searching for ideas still. I think that once you get past a certain point, ideas are no longer <laughs> the issue. You know, at least for yeah. me, like I have a much harder time deciding which idea to tackle versus I'm really never sitting like, what am I going to write about today? It's more of like, like I can't swing at every pitch and I've got this list of ideas here and it's really knowing like which one to go yeah. after. Um, and, and it's a balance because you have to sit down, you have to take those ideas out of your head and get them out into the open and really see them for what they are. And you can relate this back to just emotions and stress um, uh, and the things that haunt you and keep you up at night. You know, part of reconnecting with yourself right. and staying creative are simultaneously the same in the sense that you can't see it, you know, inside the dark room of your mind. Like you need to pull out the ideas and give them life and really, really see them for what they are. See the emotions that are plaguing you, see the ideas that are inspiring yeah. you. Um, because that's what's great about being a human, right? It's not, it's, that's what separates right. us more than anything from technology is that we're able to blast off to the outer banks of imagination and through whatever means, imagine something that doesn't exist yet and then bring it back to the reality and deliver it to the world. Um, and it's that, it's yeah. that transverse, it's that trip, that round trip of creativity that really sets us apart.
Um, and it can be used to whether it's writing a book or just, you know, steadying your mood after, uh, after going through a hard time. Yeah. I know I, I use a similar pattern when I meditate, I try to, you know, if, if I'm having a particularly stressful day, I will kind of like start off, you know, centered and then leave and allow myself to like experience the stress, you know, full frontal, and then kind of try to work my way backwards, you know, towards that inner peace. And I find that it, it is applicable across many venues. Like you said, like it, it's not just art and writing. It's, it's part of what makes us human, right? I mean, you feed something to an algorithm, it's going to carry out the task, whether or not the product is good, right? It's going to spit it out. And sometimes that's where you get like bugs in software, right? Like it'll spit it out and it knows it's wrong, but it's like, oh, well, hit a bug in the code. Whereas, you know, human beings are, aren't really wired that way, not to use <laughs> puns or anything, but human beings don't operate sure. like that, right? Like we can recognize like, yes, people might push forward knowing something is wrong, but like you still recognize something is wrong and you have the choice available to you to step back and say, nope, I need to cut this out and then move forward, right? Like you hit that obstacle and you can choose whether to attack the obstacle, go around the obstacle or avoid the obstacle, right? right? Whereas robots can't really well, do that. <laughs> well, algorithms are all built around patterns of what's expected to happen. And, you know, creativity right. is the unexpected. It's, it's what hasn't happened yet. And I think that at the root of creativity is, you know, obviously imagination, but it's also empathy. You know, you're able to, you know, humans are able to really put themselves in another person's shoes and not, not only mentally, but emotionally. Like we can actually feel what somebody else feels and we don't even experience that feeling. And, and I think that that ties yeah. into creativity because, you know, first we imagine what something else might be like, and then we can emphasize and, and see how to actually uh, make that happen. And then, you know, of course, courage comes into play. That's, that's another cornerstone of being human, sure. the courage to actually do something about it. So it all, it all mm -hmm. ties in. So what do you do to, what do you personally, what, what do you do to kind of reset yourself when you find you're kind of in that, in that bug mode, so to speak, like when you hit that block, what do you do to kind of set aside the work or recenter or recircle back to it? Is there any kind of technique or strategy? You yeah, use absolutely. Personally? I mean, for me, it, it typically comes down to journaling. Journaling is kind of mm. probably the closest thing to a silver bullet, just in terms of you know, I say in the book that journaling isn't just the art of collecting, but it's the art of emptying, where it's really able to, you're, you're, you're dragging the lake of the blurry emotions and getting them out onto the page so you can see them for what they are. And then, the, you know, the first part of the book is really all the things that, that get me out of that bug out state. Um, you know, I tend to hold on to the reins of life too tightly, and I'll add a little bit too much seriousness. You know, I'll, I'll focus on the outcome and the expectations and the definitions and the, the blah, blah, blah. And, you know, one of my favorite chapters that I always come back to is a chapter about play and realigning with mm. that, that childlike feeling. And it's not about only about play, like playing board games or, or, or things like that, but it's just something that you can sprinkle over 
your work and your love and you know the things that you do and hold things with a looser grip um so journaling kind of helps me point out the areas where i'm taking things too seriously or i'm focusing too much on the things outside of my own control um and that really releases right. the pressure in my head and a lot of it comes down to you know in my journal i can see if i've been neglecting you know my friendships if i've just been stuck in my head and haven't made carved out any time to just be silent meditate you know, you know, Glenn, for me, like there's so many things, but as a writer and everybody is going to have to kind of understand, you know, what this is for them, what this one thing is, but oh, yeah. for, for me, yeah. it's what Franz, Franz Kafka has a line that goes, a non-writing, a non-writing writer is a monster courting madness. <laughs> and that, and that's probably yep. the truest statement for me where... You know, I can meditate, I can exercise, I can do all the things that I'm supposed to do, but there's really nothing quite like sitting down and just like spending two, uh, 30 minutes or two hours just getting those words out, just really putting my creativity to use. That's what really kind of keeps me sane more than anything. And I, I think that that's what happens more often than not when it comes to people burning out or feeling that like they're on that yes. hamster wheel that they don't really know what they're doing. And it's just this big block of tasks and they're just waking up with anxiety and going to sleep like on a bed of knives. You know, it's, it, it's rarely the things yeah. that you're, that the, it's, it's rarely in my experience that the things that you're doing are causing that. Sometimes there are, but for me, it's, it's more of like, what are those things keeping me from? Because I'll tell you, the only time I hate my business, the, the, the business stresses me out, is when the business is overtaking my time and I'm not able to write. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. I can relate to that so much. Totally. Totally. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I get it too. It's like the, and again, I'm, I'm a writer too. So I'm, I'm very much like you in that realm of like, I need to be writing, even if it's just journaling. Right. And it's, it's nothing that I'm going to intend to publish, but it's the act of, getting those words onto the page, like you said. Um, but I think a big key that for listeners to take away really is just know is your, your own self-awareness is knowing what that outlet is for you. Right. Like I know like my wife is very much, she's a crafty DIY person. Right. So her outlet isn't necessarily writing, but it's uh, knitting. Right. So like, she'll just, she's having a stressful day. Like that's her little, you know, 30 minutes to herself where she'll sit down and like, you know, crochet a little, little uh hat or something like that just just to kind of like recenter herself right myself writing is same thing like i need to take out um preferably i use you know pen paper notebook to journal um i know everyone has their own preference there but it's that act of getting what you need out like putting it out into the universe even if you don't intend to use it anywhere else aside from just recentering yourself or circling back to your your energy center and like bringing that back so let me ask you a couple of follow-up questions. Do you have a particular software you use or a method to your journaling? Um, like, is there, do you have like rigid guidelines or you just kind of like loosely sit down and journal? I, I pr pretty much pen to paper when I am doing it, you know, journaling, I've had to give myself permission to journal when I want to journal and not, not feel the guilt when I don't. Um, 
this is something that's mm. it's a double-edged sword because I think that people get discouraged when by the notion of journaling where they think that if they miss a day, all is lost. And I think that you need to, for me, right. you know, for me, when I return to my journal, I have the thoughts like, well, why didn't I just do this a week ago? Because now I feel so much better. So it is a way to like keep the demons away. <laughs> um, but I still do tend to just journal. I, I, tr I use two things. So to answer your question, I've got a pen and paper and there is something about just getting off of the keyboard and free writing. I think it's very valuable and I get a lot of yeah. ideas out of there. I just started using Rome research and you might, you might've heard of that. It's like becoming very popular um, in the, in the tech yep. tech world. Um, I, I do like it. it. Do it's you like it's it? really cool. There's a bit, there's a big learning curve, but one of the things that I like about it is that because so many ideas fall out of my head while I'm journaling, it's a very easy way to, to link pages. You know, it's, it's basically built around the concept uh. of building a second brain and not trying to just have to like keep right. things super organized in folders. Like if you open up a blank page and you want to journal, like let's say a thousand words, and you just go down and start writing, and then an idea pops out, you can kind of tag it very easily and then branch it off so that if you go back and look for things, it's, it's kind of for organization. Um, so that's kind of my system. Yeah. So how often, how often do you go back and uh, like reflect on what it is you're journaling? Is that, is that a set schedule or is that kind of loosely done you know, To be honest, that's almost well. never. You know, the good, the good mm, ideas that okay. come out of there, they they come out and grab me and I'll just go off on a tangent, a tangent and, and write and jam on those. And then they'll become articles or ideas or other things. Um, I label right. the, the, the notes. Well, I mean, I, I shouldn't say never because the book weaves in journal entries. So I wrote, I journaled a lot during 2018 okay. when I was going through burnout and stress and I have some really depressing journal entries. <laughs> And um, that was my idea, really, that came together at the end of the book of how to weave my own hero's journey through the sections where the book opens up with a little, you know, setting the stage. And then there's an, there's an excerpt from a journal entry where I'm clearly in despair. And then there are more journal entries that follow suit where you can start to see little bits of light shining through. Um, so there's so there so my hero's journey weaves through the book by way of these journal entries, and then by the end, um, you can see that I've slowly becoming human again. <laughs> Not to give away the ending, <laughs> right? Um, but you know, Glenn, for me <laughs> and everybody's different. But journaling is it's just to to wipe the slate clean. It's 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 washing off the canvas. It's just getting back to that state where you're not carrying around the baggage in the mind. So. I think I'll go back and read journal entries to, to look for material and better understand myself one day, but it's really just emptying it out. Just, just get it out so True. I can think clearly and, and um, not be holding on to so much. Right. That's the benefit I find from it too. It's, you know, it's, if I'm sitting down and I'm trying to write something specific, but I notice this, this uh, a bug or this idea keep coming in that doesn't really belong in the piece I'm working on. That's, mm -hmm. that's kind of like my cue where I'll step away and I'll say, okay, I need to, I need to go journal and just kind of get my thoughts out and let the unfocused thoughts, you know, center themselves and find a home. So when I go back to the main thing, the project that I'm working on, 
and then I have the totally. focus for that. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's, it's not easy to do that. I feel like I've only kind of recognized that ability in myself these last you know, handful of years here, but I know, you know, I, I've been a writer my whole life. Um, and I didn't really kind of identify one probably until college age, but the deeper I got into like what it is and what writing means to me and how it helps me understand the world and my reality and express my reality, the deeper I got into that, the more I realized that like, there are little, there are little like, you know, twists and turns and kinks you can kind of apply to yourself and your own practices and strategies that help you progress with like your main goals, your main projects. So I guess where I'm going with this is, do you have any little like, uh, I don't want to say shortcuts because that has a weird ne- negative connotation to it. But do you have like like little tips or tricks you kind of do in your own process to kind of help you with, you know, uh, first drafts or, or editing or publishing? Like, are there things that you've learned along the way to kind of help you put your, your final yeah, projects out? Into the it's world? a great question because part of writing a book that I struggled with because I'm also really addicted to not only writing, but also publishing and getting work out into the world. And I can kind of feel that pressure when I'm like, Oh, I haven't sent out a new article to my newsletter or I haven't published on medium or I'm not growing my audience. I'm just focused on this other project that could be, that could take a year. So there's that pressure. Right. And that's probably why like the journaling is more of like a tool that's there when I need it. But I always need to be actually writing something that I'm planning on showing to the world. That's what really keeps me going more than anything. Right. As long as I'm making progress, writing something, you know, I wrote for two hours this morning, a piece that I'm going to publish on Medium, you know, later tonight or tomorrow. And that's what steadies the mood. Um, you know, I do going back to the things that come naturally, that's one of the tricks that I've learned. But, you know, it, it, there's some things that take a long time. There's some big ideas that might bend reality or, or it's going to be like a challenging idea to present and it takes that time and effort. But, but you have to, for, for me, I try and realize the things where I'm like, this is actually a simple idea and it's interesting. And I have the story, like, why is it such a struggle to write? When I really am struggling to finish something, mm. I've gotten better at recognizing there's probably just something fundamentally wrong here, you know? And that's, that's going to be when I might table it right, right. and then move on to another idea and then return to it with fresh eyes. You know, if I'm wrestling with something too much, that's kind of a signal that I should take a step back because the things that I've written that are the most popular are the ones that kind of came in a big burst of aha. And then I was easily able to make them shine on the page more or less. Um, for the things that are a little bit more, yeah. you know, you know, I do a, a rough draft and I try, I used to do something like, I think this is what a lot of ra- writers are taught to do at the forefront, right? Just like more of a brain dump, just, just the first draft of anything is bad, you know, and yeah, just to get it out and get it done. I think that's good advice F- for me. I'm moved away from that and I'm trying to be a little bit like a, like a good carpenter where you measure twice and cut once. So I don't want to just leave myself like yeah, a big yeah. mess. So um, I, I'm big on outlining. I'll, I'll do like a rough draft that'll just kind of like get the idea or like the thesis or the hook, you know, what am I really trying to say? And then I will make, make an outline. Right. And, um, so that'll look like a note card where I've got like an overarching idea 
kind of like you would in high school when you make a like a an essay, right? Not not quite as strict, but I want yeah, to know right. a, a map of where I'm going, so I'm not so I'm not just spinning my wheels. Um, you know, you, you do want to know the destination before you start the the journey. I think when you're writing, you know, whether it's a chapter in the book or a blog article or a short story, um, but you know, it, it it it's hard sometimes. You just have to start and see <laughs> see what happens. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, and two, the other thing too, and I was gonna kind of get to this, but that varies from genre to genre too. Like I know when I'm writing fiction versus nonfiction, the, the fiction in my mind at least tends to be much much less structured on the first draft, whereas I'm kind of just trying to get my ideas down on the page, and then, like you said, then I'll come back to the second time and I'll try to formulate some sort of. Uh, a little more uh, rigidity, Mm -hmm. rigid outline. Um, And then I'll kind of structure it that way. But when it comes to like nonfiction, for example, like I will outline first, I won't even jump into the actual writing process until I have the infrastructure of what I'm trying to do first. Um, So I don't, I mean, I don't know if, do you write other genres at all? Or are you mostly stick to I do write. um, I've put my hand in the, in, in the fiction over this last year. I actually hit a wall while writing productivity is for robots and just became really kind of like bored with some of it more or less. Actually was kind of burnt. I've just been thinking about it so long (laughs) and I was, I I was questioning it. I was questioning the the doubt. I was doubting the idea and what it meant and what I was trying to say and, you know, it's so easy to fall into that as a creator. Um, and then I started writing some fiction. Right. I, I, I had, I, I was, had all these ideas. Um, and that's how it works, right? It's like <laughs> once, once the sugar rush of inspiration wears off on the one project, your brain just <laughs> becomes that shiny distraction factory where it's like, Ooh, what about this? Here's some good, I- here's some other good ideas yeah. that take you away from your main project. Um, then I think it, I think it can be beneficial. Right. So I spent last December actually. I had this weird rush of inspiration um, to write some short stories, and I've always struggled to think of stories, but they came out of nowhere. And I um, I wrote three short stories and outlined even more that I still haven't gotten back to yet. Um, and that's something that I want to explore more of. But it was really freeing. You know, I would just write these silly satire stories. It would just crack me up yeah. and crack up my friends. And I never planned really. I, I knew that I wasn't going to publish them anytime soon. So there's like a freedom in just stepping away from what I was working on and just yeah. trying out something new. It was it was a lot of fun. So I think that can be a good process. Um, but, you know, with, with I love fiction and you know, going back to finish about my routine when it comes to publishing nonfiction is I'll get that architecture down where I'm trying to like make a first draft that is able to stand on its own two feet. You know, it's very like, who are you? What are you? Why now type of, this is what this is. This isn't what this isn't. This is how it's going to help you and try and really color inside the lines. And then once I have that structure, that's when I feel like I'm free to you know, go to the walk-in closet and start throwing on different scarves and hats and, and uh, pants and jackets and playing, playing a little more dress up. Like I really do try Seeing and go back, you right. know, writing this morning, I had something that was intellectually stimulating. You know, I think it's, it, it, it's like a thought provoking topic, but it was kind of dry. 
but I had to I had to write it dry so that I could go back and then look at every sentence and be like, okay, now how can I add the imagery, the emotion, the things like that? So yes, you know that's I think that's a yeah. good tip for for other writers that I've kind of learned the hard way over the last few years is get that structure built. You know, you don't move <laughs> in furniture to a house before you do the drywall, right? Um, yeah, right. So, so that that's it. I think that's a good way to approach it too. And I think that's great advice. Like you said, you know, is kind of having those, those uh, frameworks in place and understanding that like you're uh, and young writers, you should know this by now, but that your first draft is never going to be the final draft, right? Like you have to start somewhere and you have to go back and revise. Uh, Cause you can't just do that brain dump and expect, you know, a reader to follow the brain dump because we're all human and, and our brains, you know, they're, they're random. They're all of those neurons are firing at different paces. And if you're just doing something without a plan in place, like it, it will help you personally, but it's not going to help the reader. Right. And that goes for any genre, poetry, fiction, nonfiction, mm-hmm. um, any kind of art, really. Um, I mean, again, <laughs> unless you're talking like abstract sure. painting or something, but that's a little different. But the idea is like, you know, have that, have that concept in mind and kind of then go back and kind of see how can I turn this, you know, this dryness into more colorful imagery. Right. And personally, like I have in my, my Google drive, number one is a mess. Cause I have, you know, tons of, tons of unfinished ideas and, and mm-hmm. files and notes that I'm going to do eventually, which I probably never will. But I think of it as a way, you know, if I have a mood, I have something I want to work on. And, you know, particularly right now, my focus is on this novel I've been working on. But sometimes that means like, I don't really feel like writing and editing fiction at the moment. So I'm going to go and, you know, I've been kind of exploring this idea of better reading habits. So I'm going to write a blog post about reading habits, right? My point is I'm trying to make is like, I and I say this, I think this has come up on the podcast before actually too. I have a book for every mood. So I'm currently reading three books at the moment poetry book, fiction book, nonfiction, right? I kind of tend to operate the same way when it comes to writing. I have a fiction project, a nonfiction project, and a poetry project. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm working all on all of them at the same time. It's more of like having them available for when the mood strikes. And I understand if you're looking at this from the, the angle or the lens of productivity, that's probably not the best way to go about it mm-hmm. because you're stretching yourself a little thin. But from the human side of it, the non-robotic side, um, that's more to give myself a little less stress on the creative projects, right? I mean, let's face it, like I'm writing is not my full-time job. That's something I'm doing because I love doing it. And if I can make money on it, sure, that's awesome. I'm not going to say no to that. But ultimately, the goal there is to help other people express, entertain, teach, whatever it is, right? So I have a project in each one of those realms going for when my human side needs to express one of those. Yeah, I I think that's so important. That's a good tip for for many different things, but especially when it comes to reading, you know, trying to unlearn the the notion that you have to like open a book and finish it and (laughs) all the way through. And I think it's so much more fun to, to jump around. Um, I, I'm the same way when it comes to 
you know, what I'm reading, jumping around from nonfiction to fiction to stimulate the different parts of the brain. And it's something, you know, Glenn, it's... Sure. I love reading, not only because I love reading, um, but it stimulates my, my drive to write, you know? Especially yeah, really, really everything. Yeah, you read something and, it, and it's like this relationship between writer and author where they tell you something, but you're able to see something between the lines that brings out something in yourself and then it's going to flower into something else that you write. And I think that that's, it, it's like searching for those nuggets can be, can be so rewarding. And that's what human creativity is all about, you know, in it's not about the machines that just yeah. tell you or spit out an algorithmic <laughs> result. It's, it's giving you, it's, it's one human <laughs> to another, right. you know, giving you the tip of the iceberg and then seeing what your brain and your empathy and your imagination can bring out of it and um, create for the masses as well. Yeah. And that's, you know, the more you read, uh, you know, I've been hearing a lot about like AI and how it's been uh, growing and, and evolving more lately. Um, and one of the pieces that I remember recently reading about was this uh, particular AI, I forget the name of it, but it was, it was um, designed to produce like art and, and write something novels, I, I know right? what you're so talking about. It's, yes, yeah, yeah. And you know that the, it sparked a lot of buzz amongst the creative community especially the writers authors out there because you know it's it seems like a threat you know how are we gonna make money on you know this is my livelihood it's like i'm a professional writer and i make money on my advances and royalties and stuff but the more that i thought about it it's like like you were just saying it's like as much as as, as close to replicable replicable that that ai can make a book or a novel there's no way that it's going to have that human that human piece to it. It just can't replicate that. It can seem like it, but you know, it is very difficult as a, as a consumer to kind of see the difference, but like it's there. It's like we, we as human beings have that, like that, like sixth sense almost of like picking up on things that are just not real. You know what I mean? It must be human derived. I I know that sounds crazy, but you know, (laughs) right. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. So, and I, you know, there is a balance there between the, the hustle and the, and the rest, right? Like you, like you said, like the whole reason this, your book exists is because you experience that burnout full force. Um, and, you know, if one thing I want listeners to take away from, you know, your work and, and our conversation today, the, it's, the ability or at least the self-awareness to recognize that that's a spectrum that, you know, it's, it's all about finding the balance of like being productive and making progress, but also taking time for yourself to circle back, to reset, to find your human. Absolutely. And, you know, you know, Um, when it's so often that you, you, you need the balance, but so much of burnout, is attached to just doing the things that you maybe shouldn't be doing in the first place or ignoring the things that you, that you should be doing that really light you up. You know, you know, so much of um, the culture that we live in and this hustle and grind mentality, it leaves people feeling that they should be doing something, 
before they've properly identified what that thing is. Um, and I think that it's important to take a step yeah. back and to reconnect so that you can really hear that call that's gonna light you up and it's gonna be something unique to you. Because you know, you watch people, you know, super successful entrepreneurs or visionaries, and they seem to just have all the energy in the world where you think they must be on drugs or something, or be working 70 hours a week, right, yet they right, don't right. feel burnt out or discouraged. But I think that it's easy to underestimate just how much raw human energy you can get from when your productivity is aligned with your purpose. You know, you, you, it, mm. I, you know I'm weary of the word balance. I know that it's necessary and it's something that I talk about and something I go back and forth on, but balance kind of implies um, compartmentalization. I think I just mispronounced that word, but <laughs> I think you know what I mean. And um, no, you're good. And I think that yeah, yeah. when, if you can find the things that really light you up and are aligned with your purpose that feel that might look like work to others, but feel like play for you, you're not going to have to be constantly rebalancing and, and um, taking a vacation, you know, productivity is for robots. The, the real call to action is about creating a life that you don't need to ever take a vacation from or ever have to rebalance. You know, it's about yeah. doing those things that that do flow into the other areas of your life. You know, that, you know, it's not about putting things in different compartments like work or play or this or that. It's about finding the unity among the things that you're creating and the areas that you're spending your time and where you're working hard and having fun. And they're, they're, they're flowing into one big stream of um, purpose and meaning. Um, you know, that, that, that's the goal, of course. And everybody still has to, you know, make money and go to the grocery store and <laughs> life is littered with things that we'd rather not have to do, but sure. that's part of being human too. Yeah. Finding that purpose. Uh, Cause that, that eliminates the, the feel, the burnout sensation is cause you, you want to go back to work. You want to work on your, your purpose. That's, it's like a magnet. It just draws you in. I know like I, you know, I'm a teacher by day and I don't get me wrong. I love teaching. But the thing that really sets my heart and my soul on fire is when I'm, when I'm writing, when I'm yeah. teaching through the, the words, you know, and it's, it's very easy to fall into a trap of thinking and not really understanding yourself as a human and who you are, but then trying to compare yourself to somebody else. I mean, you said it earlier in the podcast, like the technology is abundant right now. And it's so easy to see other people finding their success, doing their things, you know, on Instagram, TikTok, Medium, YouTube, whatever. And you think that, yeah, this looks fun. I could do this. But then you kind of realize like, well, maybe this isn't for me. Right. And it's, it's easy to fall down that hole of saying like, oh, I want to be a YouTuber. You know, I want to you know, stream video games or something. And then, you know, a year and a half later, you realize like, man, this sucks. I didn't, I don't really like video games. <laughs> you know, like it's about finding that, that thing that drives you. Um, and I know we're talking about this and it sounds like it's just, just this simple switch you can flick on. It is not, it is, it takes time and dedication to find that, but there is that element of self-awareness that plays Absolutely. an important role of it. It all comes down to self-awareness. Cool. 
cool. All right. So, uh, Corey, this sounds like a good spot to kind of start to wrap things up. You want to transition to our three absolutely uh, Let's do it. rapid fire questions here. All right. Uh, so the first one is, and I, I'm sure cause you just kind of wrapped up the book here, but you got a lot of answers. Um, but what is one thing you are currently reading right now? Do you enjoy it? Would you recommend passing it on? Yeah. Maybe I got more a couple than one thing. I don't know around couple, right now. But- the I'm reading a nonfiction book called Finite and Infinite Games, and it's by James Kars. Let me grab it really quick to make sure I'm that's yes, James Kars, Finite and Infinite Games. And it's the subtitle is A Vision of Life as Play and Possibility. It's a mind bender, it's it's really good. It's only about 150 pages, but I've read the first 30 pages like. Oh wow! Three times now, just to like really understand them. Um, it's it's fascinating game. If you know, yeah. There's some books, you know, going back to my book really quick. The way I think about the differences between nonfiction books, like I like to think of my book as these are these are timeless principles that really live inside everybody. You know, weaved through a, a new. Yep. I'm, I'm saying I, I want to present timeless principles in a new way, in a new element that might better resonate with a reader. Um, but I'm not. The goal isn't to help. The goal isn't to teach you anything. It's to help you unlearn things that are holding you back. Right. So, like yes. these are these are lessons yes. that you're going to read in my book, and you're and these are like old truths that you've forgotten somewhere along the way that are just going to be getting the dust dragged off of them and reinvigorate them into your life, right? Um, Finite and Infinite Games right. is more along the lines of a book that like these are some new ideas that I had never heard of before that are actually going to challenge and crumble some other beliefs that I had. These are like kind of bending reality, right? <laughs> so there's, there's, there's two types of uh, yeah. books. And I think right, that right. if you're looking for like a reality bender, Finite and Infinite Games is a, is a good one. Um, I'm also reading The Almanac of nice. uh, Naval, Naval Ravikant. i um, been a fan of him on Twitter for mm. a while. And um, yep. so, um, uh, a guy named Eric Jorgensen did a great job of kind of piecing together his different talks and tweets and um, presenting a really beautiful book. Um, so I'm enjoying that. And then on the fiction side, I am rereading. I just read Chuck Palahniuk's new book about a week ago. Um, I love Chuck. You know, he's always fun. I love Palahniuk. He's so yeah, good. He's the greatest. And then um, his book on writing is also fantastic. Consider this. Um, but I'm going to revisit yep. the short stories that I mentioned earlier, and I have a couple of ideas for fiction. And um, I'm rereading my favorite collection of short stories, which is by Tobias Wolf, and it's called The Night in Question. So good. Yeah, he yes, is he's so the good. real ma- magician um, when it comes to short short fiction. Talking about being human, those are some real – those stories cut to the bone. <laughs> Oh yeah. I love, I love reading books like that, fiction or nonfiction, but I love reading books like that where the author is just so good and the language is so well crafted that it just, you walk away and like, I think you mentioned this earlier, but like you, you just want to sit down and write because of how inspired that reading session makes you feel, you know, those are, 
those are the kind of books that are just like you said they're they're timeless you can't yeah, you can't Wolf like ignore them just because they're you so read good. some of his stories and they just become like almost like they're like your own memories of a past life they stick with you they get under your skin yeah. in such a haunting and beautiful way Th- that's something that um when nonfiction can do it it's very special um but that's typically those feelings i, I look for um in, in the fiction realm Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Awesome. And I'll definitely have to add that yeah. finite one to my list. That sounds James Cars. Uh, what finite was the author you said and on Infinite that one? Games. James Cars. Okay. Awesome. Taking notes here too as we're talking. All right. Uh, so question number two, Corey, what is your favorite meal to prepare and cook? This could be for yourself. It could be for friends and family, um, your wife, kids, whatever. It's steak. Do you have a favorite dish? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think it's All something right. that I've processed the most, and that I think that I've gotten the closest at mastering. Um, you know, starting with like a really good, go to the butcher shop, get a good ribeye or two. It's just easier if you're cooking for for two to four mm-hmm. people. You know, you can just get the pan hot as hell, fry it up. You know, a steak is such a good headlining act as a meal. You can kind of little things around it whether it's like yep. carrots or broccoli yep. or rice or something else um but yeah i like to i like to just pan fry steaks with a ton of butter and rosemary garlic and and that's the that's the crowd please here it also has to do with um the amount of time it takes yeah. versus like cleanup and things like that <laughs> oh yeah well yeah. yeah that you gotta have that's factor of it too you know some things like they're really exactly. good, but it's pain quite a bit. You don't want to make those. Chef, so we, we 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 compete in the kitchen and uh, try and get after it as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, we do that too. We play uh we play yeah. chopped. You know what's in the fridge? What can we make? <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, last question. Don't feel like it has to be profound. It can be if you want, but. What is one life lesson you want to pass on to our listeners today? The one thing you want them to take away, you know, within the context of this conversation and the book, I I think that the call to action and the lesson is to redefine what it means to be productive for, for yourself. And remember that anytime you are enjoying life, laughing with your friends or family, giving it, giving, helping somebody else, doing anything that lights you up and gives you energy, you're being productive. Don't fall into the old world's notion of clocking mm-hmm. in and out of life and making money and, and, and the, this, this, this rigid definition of what it means to be productive. Um, anytime you're playing, when you're, when you're um, realigning with your inner child or you're drawing a picture or singing a song, that's being, that's being productive. You know, that's part of being human. And I think that once you start yep. to make that shift, you start to see more possibility and experience more happiness, more fulfillment. And that's how you clear the static and answer the call. Absolutely. The time Absolutely. you enjoy wasting yes. is not wasted time. Well, well said. I love that. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Corey, um, it has been awesome having you on the show. I think there's a lot 
of takeaways here the listeners can benefit from, especially if there are any uh, writers, readers out there. Um, where can listeners find you online if they want to reach out, connect, read Absolutely. some um, of your work, find your book, that kind of thing? That is where all my writing lives. And you can subscribe to my newsletter. I do a, a, a irregular newsletter. Like you try to do once a week, but really once I have something worthy of sharing, um, it's called the temperature check. And I'll send out interesting links, ideas for creators and what I call first draft musings. So if you really want to kind of get to know me and what's on my mind and scratching at the walls of my brain, the, the temperature check newsletter is a great place to start. And I'm also on Instagram at Corey McComb, on Twitter at Corey McComb. And the book, Productivities for Robots, is available on Amazon. Excellent. Um, and I believe it, it you're hitting the top charts here. I saw some, uh, I don't remember which category it was in, but it was ranking in the top yeah, 10 up yeah, there, I'm which is pretty really awesome. I'm really excited <laughs> with how the launch went and how my audience has stepped up and supported me. It's, I mean, that was, it's just been a dream come true to watch the book climb the charts in creativity, self-help. You know, it's been, you know, when my book passed, just for a minute there, it passed Seth Godin's new book, and that was really a special moment. <laughs> I think yeah. I took a lot of screenshots. Take a screenshot uh, of that, so right? It's it's been such a rewarding process, Glenn. I know you published a book, and it's just such a nice when you when you're aligned with yeah, the work man. and you feel confident to talk about it and, and really own it. Um, it's, it's something really special, and I hope that people get you know value out of this conversation. And if you want to email me, please do. I reply to every email and. Um, and yeah, Glenn, I, I hope we can do this again for the next one. For sure, man. Well, enjoy it. It, uh, it is well-deserved, and I look forward to uh, the next Thanks collaboration. So much, we'll have to uh, connect again soon. You too. Bye. Of course, man. Have a good day. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, guys. Just one more quick thing before you take off. Um, I wanted to take a second to express my sincere gratitude for your time and your attention. It's appreciated way more than you realize. Um, if you'd like to support our cause and what we're doing here at Betterism, there's a few ways you could do that. Um, you could share, rate, or review the show. Um, it's available wherever you get podcasts. You can join our blog and contribute some of your wisdom to our growing family. Or if you're able to, you can donate or subscribe any amount to paypal.me slash bingbang. That link is in the show notes. Um, thanks again so much for your time and I hope you have a great day. Well, that's it friends. Thanks for tuning in. I hope to swing through again. If you'd like to reach out, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at medium.com slash betterism. Be better at whatever it is you're building. And remember, friends, stay learning.